live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So where to start? What should we do on this Wednesday? I think that I will do something this morning that I'm not sure that I've ever done. And when I say I've never done, I mean like in the three-decade history of this program, I don't think I've ever done this, but I have to. U.S. soccer fan, how y'all living? Man, it better be amazing. It better be amazing, and it better be pretty much everybody listening right now. And yes, I know. I am well aware. I'm well aware of what you think about me flipping on soccer. I am well aware of what you think about soccer itself. A lot of haters, soccer haters, World Cup haters, Greg Berhalter haters. And you know what? Frankly, it's a bad day for you haters. The U.S. And you couldn't wait. I know so many of you could not wait to jump this guy and jump me and jump the U.S. team. Except U.S. soccer haters, it is a bad day. One of your worst days because there is not a whole lot you can hate on right now, especially after they got the job done. Now, haters going to hate, and you'll find something, and I'll get to that in a minute. In fact, I'll get to that right now. I know you will still try to hate. But the rest of us are going to do what you always should do, and that's look to the damn scoreboard. Point to the damn scoreboard. One nil. Thanks for coming. What up, round of 16? What up, knockout stage? What up, one and done? Where anything can happen. What up, legitimate U.S. run at the World Cup? Yeah, I said it. U.S. soccer fan waited eight long years for this. Because remember, the U.S. did not even qualify for the last World Cup. So it's no exaggeration when I say that the fans have been waiting eight years for this goal. Austin McKay, Des making a big run. It's been for him. Des is snuck in behind. Des in the middle. Pull attack. Scores! Might have paid the price. But the U.S. takes the lead. Fox with the call. Christian Pulisic getting the goal. And he paid a price too. You could even call it the ultimate price. Because this dude took a knee straight to the groin to score that goal. He basically got blasted in the package to put the U.S. up on nothing. Or as the big head himself would so eloquently put it, he took a kick in the stick for America. Kick in the stick. I mean, my dude couldn't even celebrate the biggest goal for the U.S. in over a decade. He essentially missed out on the high of a lifetime. I mean, the high that he had been chasing his entire lifetime and traded that instead for the agony of a low blow. Credit to Christian. He tried to stay in the game, but he ended up watching the second half from the hospital. Good news, though. This dude is all right. The official diagnosis is a kick to the stick. No, just kidding. The official diagnosis is a pelvic contusion. And that pelvic contusion should not keep him out of Saturday's game against the Netherlands. And I know this because he shot out a social media post with a fist pump pick from his hospital bed and the words, quote, so effing proud of my guy's I'll be ready Saturday. Don't worry. End of quote. So I guess what I'm saying is this. Say what you want about this team. Say what you want about this sport. Say what you want about this manager. But how many athletes have you ever seen sacrifice their stick for country? I think everybody should be asking themselves right now, would you sacrifice your stick for America? He did, as always, as always, ask not what America can do for you. Ask if you would take a blow and a contusion to the pelvis for America. That's how Christian gave the U.S. the big breakthrough goal that that team needed. And then the second half, man, how about that second half? How tense was that second half? How tight was that second half? How sweaty was that second half? I mean, that was cheek-clenching time. There was some serious 
butthole puckering butthole, coast butthole, to coast. Butthole. 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 Puckering. You know, the way it came down was like this. The first half was an amazing half of U.S. soccer. It was borderline dominant. It was borderline erotic. Borderline erotic. In fact, I'm going to say there was nothing borderline about either for the U.S. It was dominant and it was erotic. Borderline erotic. You know, for us soccer lovers. The second half, though. The second half, though, was something totally different. The second half was, man, holding on for dear life. The second half was also about brass sets. Not the one that got destroyed and had to leave that game and ended up watching that second half from the hospital. I'm talking about the sets that were still out there on the field. The sets that were able to grind out a monumental win. My dude. Greg Berhalter said it best after the game when he said this. I think that, you know, the first half we showed what we can do soccer-wise. Um, had a really good first half. Second half we showed what we can do determination-wise. The guys grinded. They gave every single ounce of energy. And we're undefeated going into the next round. He nailed it. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly why you should not be wasting all your time and energy crying about how it looked crying about how it's still not good enough. The U.S. team did what they had to do. They got the bleeping job done. They got to the knockout round, period. Scoreboard, look up at it. I don't give a damn how it looks. The Hood himself probably said, we're on to the Netherlands. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to the Netherlands. We're on to Cincinnati. But still, haters going to hate. Keyboard, bags, going to bag. Was it perfect yesterday? Obviously not. No one's saying it was. Even Burhalter joked that he had less hair at the end of the game than at the start of the game. It's stressful. I think I have less hair on my head now. It is stressful. It was stressful. But it was also good enough to get a massive result in a career-defining pressure cooker situation. Remember, folks, style points do not count at the World Cup. Only results matter. Getting out of the group is what mattered. Getting to the knockout round is what mattered. Getting to the Sweet 16 is what mattered. That's a result that is a far, far from given for the U.S. This is only the fourth time since World War II that the U.S. team has made it to the last 16. And Greg Berhalter got it done with the youngest starting lineup and the second youngest overall team in the entire tournament. You know, of course, the youngest squad. Trivia question, who is the youngest squad? Of course, it's Ghana, because it's always Ghana. We had a, we had a, put a, we had a chance. The second year, we lost to Ghana. They're the youngest. For the second year. They're Why so young. Give up the goal in the last Why are they we so young? This is what it means to us. We're young, but us. they're younger. Why are they younger? Why can't we be the youngest? Why is it always Ghana? Anyway. Still, an extremely young team that just went through the group, the group stage, without losing a game. So maybe you just chill out on the calls for the guillotine. Maybe you quit sharpening the axe for a minute and try to enjoy the moment. Maybe you don't focus on the strange second-half substitutions or the fact that we still have not seen very much or any at all of an exciting young player like Gio Reyna. Maybe consider the fact that this team has played three outstanding opening halves. I mean, does Greg Berhalter get any credit for any of that at all? Maybe you don't try to fire anybody while they're still freaking playing, while they're freaking advancing. What I'm saying is maybe you give this guy some freaking credit for real. For real. He and they got the job done, and now we are on to the Netherlands. We're on to Cincinnati. This Saturday, not going to be easy. Not going to be easy, but not impossible. Not going to be easy, but doable. The U.S. team is going to be a heavy underdog, but the U.S. team is not going to be afraid. They're not going to be scared. They haven't been yet, and they're not going to start on Saturday. 
And you all know that I will be up early for that game. Just like Christian said after he got rocked in the chops for America. Quote, so effing proud of my guys. I'll be ready Saturday. Don't worry. End of quote. And yes, it's a real thing. Yes, that really did just happen. Yes, the U.S. men's national team really did get to the knockout round, and I really did just open up this show with a positive take on soccer. And Greg Berhalter really does deserve more credit than he is getting. Credit. And he's going to get it from me. I've got this guy's back. We were friends years before he got that gig, and I know what this guy's all about. And to the haters who were calling for this dude's head yesterday during this show before the first half was even over. And yes, I was getting a lot of that. Yo, Rome, how about your boy? Yo, Rome, how is Raina not playing? Yo, Rome, your boy is not going to make it out of this game. Yes, he did. He did. They did. And by the way, they got a pretty damn good look at it, if you ask me on Saturday. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But it is not impossible. They're going to have a good look at it. They're still alive, no matter how much some of you want to hate. Because, like I said, haters going to hate. Scoreboard applies to everything. And keyboard bags going to bag. United States won. Iran, nothing. It's on to the Netherlands. We're on to Cincinnati. Hey, Jim Rome here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Got a few moments with Lane Johnson. Lane, good to have you on. How are you? Doing good, man. What's going on? Good, good. Great to have you. So really quickly, I know you're looking ahead to this weekend. However, if you were to look back to that game Sunday night against Green Bay, you guys absolutely gashed them on the ground. You rushed for 363 yards. In terms of imposing your will on the opposition, I mean, have you ever been a part of as dominant a performance as that one was? And then how'd that feel? Uh, You know, I've been in some games where we had some dominant stretches. Uh, The thing about this game is that it was just consistent throughout the game. Uh, what it didn't really die down um, and stay the course throughout the game. So yeah, it was you know a few simple plays, a lot of pulling pulling schemes that worked well. And uh, yeah, I just think that in combination with Jalen uh, running when he needed to, man, just made a made it for an awesome night. Hey Lane, I'm just gonna jump right in. Like last season was a really challenging year for you physically and mentally, yeah. coming off that ankle surgery. I'm curious, how are you feeling physically right now, and what kind of headspace are you in compared to last year? Yeah, I feel really good. Um, yeah, that was a lot on my mind last year. I was coming back from – I had two surgeries on my ankle. So one of them I played on in 2020, and then after the season I had another one uh, to repair it. So, yeah, that was going through my mind a lot last year. I was playing – I wasn't physically feeling like I normally feel. Uh, and playing to the standard, I felt like I could play in some aspects. But this year, man, I feel good uh, playing at a high level. And, uh, yeah, my body's not giving me trouble like it was last year. Lane Johnson joining us. Did it get to a point where you had thoughts of retirement? And if so, how close did you come? I mean, did it get that dark? Yeah, I mean, when I left, I mean, a lot of that plagued me. I mean, along with anxiety was my uh, was my uh, ankle wasn't cooperating. And, uh, you know, I was pretty much trying to play on one foot. And that's hard to do, um, you know, in the NFL. So, yeah, I just felt like if, if this thing was going to compromise my play to where I couldn't, you know, be, um, you know, who I've been on film the past nine, ten years, and I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I was ready to check out. But, um, you know, I had a good offseason rehabbed and really attacked it, and, and it hadn't been on my mind really like it was last year, um, which I feel like, you know, was plaguing me. 
Talking Lane Johnson. Lane, you've been so good about this. You were really open about talking about what you've dealt with and what you mentioned. We're not talking about just a surgery or a second surgery or you not being able to push off or you being able to do what you used to do. We're talking about anxiety and depression, some serious mm-hmm. things that go way, way, way back. Like, what kind of thoughts were you having during this process? What were you dealing with that now you can talk about, but people for so long just did not want to get into? Yeah, well, a lot of it was medication-based. So when you get on some medications, it takes a while for uh, to withdraw or, or to uh, taper off. And so um, when I was um, tapering off, I wasn't doing it effectively. And so it was like an extended-release capsule that wasn't meant to be uh, broken. And so I went from a pretty much a mediocre dose to, to nothing. And so when you have that, you can have symptoms of um, almost like the flu. You can have hand tremors that don't really go away, uh, vomiting. Um, but it really affects your serotonin levels. And so when that's affected, um, you know, pretty much uh, feels like you have no control of your of your mind and body. Um, that's basically what it felt like. And so I was I was experiencing that all throughout training camp, all throughout, you know, the first part of the year. Um, yeah, and once those symptoms got managed, I wasn't feeling what I was feeling. But, yeah, whenever your serotonin levels are affected like that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's dangerous. It, uh, yeah. I, 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 I really appreciate you, and I appreciate that response because I would imagine going through something like that, you know, even if you sit at a desk for eight hours, that would be a really challenging thing to do, much less try to perform at the level and do what you were doing. Just one more thought. I've had so many conversations laying with athletes and public figures of late, and two of the biggest takeaways on this topic, I mean, two of the biggest takeaways I have is, number one, it's okay not to be okay, and number two, if you're not okay, you need to talk to somebody about that, and doing so does not make you weak. It actually takes courage to do so, and not doing so can be really detrimental. I mean, I know there's a lot in that statement, but would you agree? Are those accurate statements? Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is communication. The, the worst thing to do is to keep it all bottled in. I mean, I've I've heard of several NFL players saying, you know, I'm only as good as what the coach tells me. Um, you know, that there's been guys, you know, kill themselves over stuff like this. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's a serious issue. And one thing I learned is that when I went to the combine, I think I was alerted that, you know, 50 to 60 percent NFL players have an anxiety disorder. Um, so it's very common. Um, you know, the thing to do back in the day was to not talk about it, be a man's man. And, uh, you know, I feel like that hurt the cause more than anything. I think speaking up and being vulnerable uh, it's a good thing. I think I learned a lot just from uh, guys, you know, like Kevin Love, uh, you know, Michael Phelps, you know, being the most decorated Olympian of all time, you know, talking about suicidal thoughts and just living in that headspace. And, you know, it's it's not something that you can accomplish your way out of. Um, but, you know, really those guys like that, Tyson Fury, his story, uh, it just goes to show, man, that people are humans and, and are affected in different ways. And there's, uh, you know, there's always help around the corner. Yeah, I guarantee other athletes, people listening right now, are learning from you just as you learn from them. A three-time Pro Bowler, a Super Bowl champ, somebody drafted number four overall. And again, I appreciate your thoughts on all that stuff so much. I've got to ask you about the Bro Barn Home Gym workouts. I'm fascinated by that. Who shows mm-hmm. up for those workouts, and what are they like? Yeah, they're pretty intense. So, uh my trainer, he's ex-Marine, but he, he was with Exos for a while. Uh, he's worked with a lot of guys in the industry. So uh picked him up, I think, 2019. And so, yeah, man, we get after it. I have a lot of linemen that work out with me, uh, Runyon, Herbie, uh, some guys from different teams, Cesar Ruiz. Uh, so, yeah, man, we uh, we all attack it definitely. So a lot of it in the off-season, after the season's recovery. And then, uh, you know, we'll have a speed phase, a power phase, and uh, really just compete with our numbers from last year. But, yeah, man, it's pretty intense. Uh, but I think when you put in the work there, it makes it makes uh, your body more prepared for the season. So, yeah, man, it's pretty funny out there. Baldinger's out there a lot. Uh, I mean, he's he's pretty heavy on the deadlifts. That's what he likes. So if you, if you ever come, he might be in there too. He, Baldy, what's he like out there, man? Is he still getting after it? I have to believe yeah, he's he getting loves, after it and throwing him around, right? Yeah, he loves it. I mean, he's most times sitting at a desk watching tape. So when he gets a chance <laughs> to leave that and come lift, he's he's all about it. So it's, he's he's a funny dude. It, he is a funny dude, Lane. Really quickly, like listening to you, watching you, I can tell how much respect that you have for the game, for the guys that you play with, for the guys you go up against, for the opportunities the game has provided you. Like overall, what does football represent to you? What's it done for you personally? Uh, well, it's teach you how to how to fight through adversity um, and how to work with people from all different you know backgrounds uh, um, and cultures. So I think uh, you know it's just it's enabled me to work efficiently with people. I think it's opened me up to communication. Uh, a lot of football, man, is like uh, one thing you can't do is hide. There is no 
you can't really hide who you, who you it's are. It's on you know, film, right? All, Everything's all on play. film. Yeah, it's all on film out there. So that's one thing I respect about the games that it's all put out there on film. There, there is no hiding like you can, I think, in other areas of work. And uh, yeah, man, it's 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 such a team game. Uh, you know, you realize that as you get older, it's just everybody counts uh, in the building, and that's what I love about it. And I love the people that I work with. Lane Johnson joins me for another moment or so. I know every single year is different. I know you'll tell me, hey, look, I'm just here to chop. You got to chop, got to chop, got to chop. But is there anything at all about this team and the way things are setting up that feels like 2017 to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes down to who we have. I mean, I feel like talented. We're, we're very talented. But I, think, I feel like we have a good blend of uh, veteran le- leadership, um, kind of like what we did in 17. Um, so we have good leaders and we have a lot of, uh, blended, you know, young talent, um, you know, to, to add to that. So, um, uh, right now, man, uh, you know, everything's in front of us, you know, we've had a good 10, 11 games and now's, you know, crunch time. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can clinch the playoff this week and then get home field advantage. And then if guys are banged up, uh, you know, get them back for the playoff run. So that's, that's what we're thinking. But, you know, this week we had Tennessee, so it's probably the most physical, you know, team we'll see all year far as your defensive line is concerned. Boy, they are, right? They are tough, and they are physical. Yeah. Philadelphia, 10-1, and best record in the NFL. He is a Super Bowl champ. He is a three-time Pro Bowler. Lane Johnson, my guest. Lane, appreciate you so much. Great to have you back on. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, that right there. That is the best sound ever. That is the best sound ever. It's also a reminder that it's time to knock out that new business idea and to start with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anybody from anywhere. So whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. And with Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify can help you with all of that. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. Find out for yourselves. Sign up right now for a free trial at shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to Shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, and start selling online today. I don't know where I would be without them. Shopify.com slash Rome. I don't know, favorite team, except team content. And my guy is a content machine. And that's going to happen when you're an 80-year-old geezer serving as the primary spokesman of an $8 billion enterprise. That's what's going to happen when you spend virtually every waking moment trying to get people to look at you and talk about you, even if you rarely make any sense at this point, when you do look into a camera or speak into a microphone. But that's never going to stop. That's not going to stop Jera. Not now. And by the way, I'm glad it won't. Because this dude is not only a first ballot Hall of Famer after spending his career bawling out for team content, he's the damn GOAT. He really is. He just keeps raising the bar, killing, and then reinventing the game and leveling up on the regular. A geriatric unicorn when it comes to content and even activity. But when I thought that even Jera could do no more, and that I had seen it all from Jera. Somehow, some way, he digs deep and he goes there and he does it again. He one-ups himself. He takes his game to a new level because something really different happened on 105.3, the fan in Dallas yesterday. Because I got to say, for once, Jera was speaking and I was not laughing. In fact, I was legitimately concerned, really concerned. I'll say it. I was afraid. I was scared. I thought that we might actually be on the verge of losing our most prized possession, a national treasure. I thought for a second, my guy was going to croak 
live on the air. We've got help on the way here. Well, Washington's got a good chance to be joining us here <laughs> real soon. <laughs> Excuse me. You all right? Yep. <laughs> Get me some oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> Better still. Better still have about a big shot of Jack. We'll be a <laughs> that's, that's not a bad call. Yikes. Seriously, dude, you good? You good? I mean, seriously. We've had some fun at your expense over the years. And I don't even think you care because this is your deal. Getting people to look at you and talk about you. However, we don't want to do it with you lying in a pine box, my guy. Truly. I mean it. You good? I mean, Jera, my man, you gave us a real scare. Even with the one-liners at the very end, I was still concerned. I am still concerned because you sound like you just coughed up 20% of yourself. 20% of me has been left on bourbon strike. Hey, don't get me wrong. I've heard plenty of people choke and gag on my airwaves. No names mentioned. Bodie. Well, Bob. Uh, I've even been known to choke up a little bit when I can't make it through the end of the program without hitting a bag of almonds, which is why I try not to do it. But nothing like Jera. Like, I never thought, for instance, that Bodie would croak before the end of that call. I never thought that I would not make it through the end of a segment if I did almond up or get my almond on. I never feared for anybody's life. There was a moment there where I'm like, oh, no. Look, none of us have a say in how we go. I would say that for every athlete. How many times have you heard me say to an athlete, you know what, very rare is the athlete who gets to go out the way he or she wants. Same with humans. Same with the rest of us. We don't have a call. We don't have a say in how we go, right? But I don't think you want to go like that. I don't think you want to choke out on air. That did not sound good. Now, I know he was fine as soon as he asked for the whiskey. At that point, I knew he was fine. When he asked for the oxygen, I thought he meant that. But when he asked for the whiskey, then I'm like, all right, all right, he's good. Never mind that he asked for the whiskey and the interview took place at 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 a.m. Except I'm sure that it was 8.30 somewhere. But for a second there, that was legitimately alarming to me. Jerry, you cannot do that to us. Never mind the Cowboys. They long ago stopped being America's team. They were replaced as America's team. And not by the Cleveland Browns, who I jocked for a minute or two. But no, they were replaced by team content. That is the true America's team, team content. So what would happen to team content if the owner, the president, the visionary, the GM, the founder, suddenly croaked out during a radio interview? Now, I know he did tell us before the season about his extremely tight schedule. My schedule. And that they've got to win right now because he's pretty open about saying, I don't know how much time I have left. That he needs to see the glory days again before it's too late. Glory hole days. You know, I respect that there's not this old elephant walking around the room and everybody's thinking to themselves, man, man, that window is going to slam shut. We got to get one for the guy before it's too late. He's just upfront about it. I have a schedule. I know my schedule. My schedule. I'm running out of time. But even that, did not prepare me for hearing my dude hacking up a lung live on the air. Like that tight schedule thing is fun and all. My schedule. Until you hear him sound like that. My man, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself because you have, one, a tight schedule. But, two, your Cowboys are balling. They're winning. 
they may actually be legitimate contenders. There may actually be more glory days ahead. But what good is it if you're not there to experience it, my guy? Hang in there. Eyes on the prize, Jera. Stay on schedule. Focus. Focus on the glory hole. Glory days. Glory hole days. Finish this, Pops. Jera, your best ability is availability. We cannot have you croaking out or choking out or stroking out. Even if you are in the red zone of your life. Because you're on the verge of possibly cashing this last one in. It could happen. And by the way, no pressure, Dak. No pressure, Micah. No pressure, CD. No pressure, Zeke. No pressure, big fella, Mike. Call timeout, Mike. I mean, it's not like this may be your owner's last chance to sniff a Super Bowl before he is sniffing the embalming fluid. I mean, this old dude is practically on the welcome mat to death's door. Getting bounced in the second round is not acceptable. Man, what if the worst thing happened? I just started to have these terrible visions. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm not even being selfish. I'm not thinking about me like, what am I going to talk about? There goes one of my biggest topics. No, I was thinking about him. I was thinking about him. I was thinking about Cowboy Nation. I mean, God forbid, and it is morbid, but I'm just going to be real. These are the things that were flashing through my mind hearing that interview. What if he were to kick the bucket in the middle of the season? Then what? Does the NFL just turn Cowboy Stadium into the biggest and grandest funeral home for one Sunday? With the big hole in the ceiling. So even the man above himself can look down into the ceremony. And then do Jerris Jones prop the guy up in the owner's suite like Weekend at Bernie's. You know, some nice sunglasses. When the camera points inside of the suite, does Steven grab Jer's coat sleeve and just wave it back and forth, hide all the Cowboy fans? I don't know, man. I just had dark thoughts. I was scared. I really was. Excuse me. Better still have about a big shot of Jack. (laughs) My man, way to bounce back. Way to bounce back. He knows. He knows. He knows he's got a schedule. Give me some Jack. I'm good. Get me some oxygen. (laughs) Get Get me some oxygen and Jack. Man, that's a wild ride. I'm glad you're good. You are good, right, Jarrah? Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Talking about the Broncos, I mean, I think I finally found a way to best explain just how bad they are, how unwatchable they are, what a problem they are. They are so bad, so bad that Patrick bleeping Mahomes, Mahomes? couldn't even save Cringerus and his Broncos from a Week 14 Sunday night football game. That bad. 
And it's true. I've been talking about this, but let's just get into this right now. The must-always-see Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes? Still the MVP, still the best player in the NFL, a generational attraction for the viewing eyes. Every damn time he straps that helmet on, could not even keep the ass Broncos in prime time because the NFL finally listened to us, the entire world, and rightfully flexed the Broncos and the Chiefs out of next Sunday night's game. Bronco fan, can you believe that? They flexed you out of that game. The Broncos, with Russ Wilson, flexed out of a game because they're that bad. Because they're ass. Because they're unwatchable. And and not just them, but a game involving the Chiefs. Hey, Broncos fan, let's hide. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's hide. Damn, you want to talk rock bottom. Right when I think they've hit rock bottom, they get even lower. But still, you know what? No credit to the Shield or the Suits who finally got around to making this call because honestly, they should have put that dog down and made that decision about the Broncos being in prime time after week one when the entire world saw that Nathaniel can't hack it, was unable to hack it as an NFL head coach. Remember that week. Remember when he went straight moron against Seattle. I mean, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped that we don't have to see this anymore. However, we were already subjected to it. And not once. And not twice. And not three times. But four times already, Raj. Four times. Four games were cringe. And Coach Can't Hack It averaged a whopping 13 points per game. I mean, I'm not sure, but I would imagine... If somebody could look this up, I haven't, and I probably should have, but I'm willing to bet that Hackett's squad commits more turnovers than scores points in prime time. I know they lead the league in penalties. I mean, do you know how bad 13 points a game is now? There has not been an NFL team who has averaged less than 13 points a game per season since the 2011 St. Louis Rams. But every time they put Denver... Louis Battlehawks. Every time they put the Broncos on national television in prime time, that's what they average. And nobody's been that bad since the 2011 St. Louis Rams. St. Louis. And that's what Russ's Broncos are giving to the world when the lights are brightest, when the stage is the biggest. And you know, it's only going to get worse, right? They haven't won a game on American soil since September. They're 3-8 and eight on the season. The offense is averaging 12 points a game in their last five games. I mean, I honestly can't emphasize enough how hilarious this is to me. The Denver Broncos, with Russ Wilson under center, are actually this bad. Bad enough that they're being flexed out of a primetime game against the Chiefs. You know when the schedule makers sat down to do that, they couldn't wait to get to that game. You know how hyped they were for that game? The schedule makers? They're like, oh, hell, this is going to be good. Patrick Mahomes and Russ in prime time. Yet here we are. Here the bleep we are. And they're flexing the Broncos out. But as a byproduct, Patrick Mahomes, too. Do you know how bad you have to be for the league and its brand to want to take its best player, Patrick Mahomes, out of prime time? You don't flex the Kansas City Chiefs out of anything. Anything. They're the Super Bowl favorites, arguably. They have the NFL MVP, definitely, in the NFL. And And NBC are still saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, hell no. Hell no. But it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. No, it's not. It's the Broncos and Cringer Russ and can't hack it. That's why. They really are that horrible. They really are that unwatchable. And the suits finally got it right. Hell yes. Man, give us Tua v. Herbert instead. Hell yes. Sold. 
listen, I'm a company man. I know who I work for. I know who writes my checks. But why do we at CBS have to broadcast this stuff? I mean, we get the game now. Can I, on behalf of the company, I, I know this is way, 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 way above my pay grid, but can I make a call here? Can I respond to that with a James in Portland buzzer? Come on! <laughs> nah, I can't. They don't ask me about stuff like that. that, that that's an amazing thing. That really is. Kansas City being flexed out because Denver is dragging them and the entire brand down. I mean, I'd say send that garbage to Amazon. Garbage! But then again, that's prime time. And we've seen enough primetime ass on Thursday night already, right? How about this? Why don't we just give KC a W? Because you know they're just going to treat it as a bye week anyway. Because that's what it is when you face Cringe Russ and can't hack it. Even when they don't play, they lose. They're getting snot bubbled without even putting on the pads. And again, I would never look to get anybody fired. I'm not like that. I'm not about that. Hack it, good dude. In fact, great dude. Great dude, terrible coach. Terrible head coach. There's no chance this guy comes back next year. Their own fans no longer support the product. The league and its broadcast partners don't want anybody to see that product. So how is this guy still allowed to be in the building? Do the right thing. Put him, your fans, and the rest of us who may accidentally bump into one of their games on TV or streaming out of our collective misery. Man, put this dog down. To not do so would be cruel and inhumane. He's suffering. We're all suffering. And honestly, frankly, I'm kind of sick of seeing these guys. And I'm even more sick of talking about these guys. Man, do the right thing. Until then... Broncos country. Broncos country. Time Let's to hide. Broncos Let's hide. Let's There's this guy on Twitter Let's tracking ride. the number of bathrooms versus Let's Russell ride. Wilson's TDs. And it's not even close. This was not the ratio you want. The ratio of bathrooms in your home to touchdown passes. This dude can't Wyrock. <laughs> Check him out. He's got bathrooms in Russ's home. This is on Twitter. Bathrooms in Russ's home. 12. Russ TDs, 8. Bathrooms in Russ's home is taking victory laps in the team bus around Russ TDs. That is one of the worst ratios I've ever heard. Never mind your TD to INT ratio bathrooms to TD ratios, 12 to 8. At the beginning of the year, you would have thought that Russ would have passed it by, I don't know, week 6, week 7 at the very latest. We're at week 13 right now. Never mind Sunday night. The Broncos are lucky that the NFL does not flex them off of all of TV completely. Like, play their games like a high school freshman football team in the middle of nowhere at 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. No fans, no announcers. The coaches call their own penalties because the NFL stopped sending refs to their games. That's the treatment they should be getting. Pass interference. Pass interference. No, no, no. That's holding. Holding. No, that's P.I. Holding. Coaches calling their own games. Players calling their own penalties. The, the coaches aren't throwing challenge flags. They're throwing actual flags because there are no refs. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection.
We are joined by Ron Rivera. Ron, it has been a minute or two. I want to say how much I appreciate having you on. Ron, how the heck you doing? How you feeling? I'm doing well, Jim. Feeling really good these days. You know, um, winning does that. <laughs> winning does do that, right? And you guys have done quite a bit of that lately. So let me ask you, right now, the team, you started the year one and four. You've ripped off six of seven. You're arguably, Ron, the hottest team in the NFL right now. What It probably is a number of things, but primarily what sparked that turnaround? Well, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with just getting to that point where everything's coming together, the, the way they play, um, the way they work together, the way they communicate, how they how they approach their 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 jobs. You know, it, it's been funny. Um, you know, some people say when we were getting ready for the uh, for the Bears game, uh, this uh, this this article came out a little bit of a distraction. And one of the things that we preached about all week was, hey, let's just focus in on playing the game. Let's focus in on our jobs. And it seemed to be that, that the guys really focused in on, on just that and nothing else seemed to matter. So we really just stayed with it. Before we know it, the guys are really coming together. The guys are really playing and they're just doing a great job of, 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 of preparing to, to, to do what they need to do on the field. Everything else I tell them, let me worry about. I like that. Block out the noise. Don't worry about those distractions. Ron Rivera joining us. Ron, I'm curious. Like, I could see whereby, especially if you've got a locker room and it's player-led in a certain to a certain extent, and you've got good leadership mm -hmm. in there, and I know you do. What was the vibe like though when the team was one in four? Like in times of adversity, like a bad or negative column is one thing, but when you're one in four, was there any sign of anybody letting go of the rope or not trusting the process? Any sense at all of? Oh no! Here we go again. No, because you know what what was happening, Jim, and, and, and unlike last season when I would show some things from the tape, it was always about what they could do, the things that they were doing that were positive, uh, how close we truly were. You go back and you look at some of the tape from those four losses, and you go, man, if we had a, a quarterback had a half a tick here of a second to throw the ball downfield, if this guy fits his gap like he should, you know, we stop that, or if he doesn't drop that interception. I mean, there are all these little detail things that we didn't do right. And knowing that if we did them right, it would give us the opportunity to win. And I think the guys really bought into that part of the process, as you said. And I, and I don't disagree with you. I don't think these guys ever lost, lost sight of the process and how close we were on the process. Ron Rivera is joining us. Ron, you mentioned the quarterback or a quarterback. What about Taylor Heineke? He gets an opportunity, Ron, and he does what he does, man. He competes his ass off. He makes plays. He sparks his team. What has he meant to the offense specifically? And then how infectious is that energy? You know, what's interesting is I tell a lot of people, the one thing about Taylor is he understands he has this underdog mentality. And because of it, I think it's what drives him because he's going to prove people or show people that he is more than capable, that he is an NFL-style quarterback. The other thing that I think has really helped his teammates to buy into it is because of the way he plays. He comes in um, in 2020, we're right in the middle of this playoff run, and he helps us get into the playoffs. Then we're playing Tampa Bay, and he doesn't back down one iota. In fact, one of the most courageous things I've ever seen – he scrambles, lays out to score a touchdown, and in the process lands on his left arm and semi-dislocates his shoulder and comes back in and finishes the game out. And his teammates never forgot that. I mean, they, they, just, they just thought, man, this, this dude's a stud. Um, you know, he gave it his all. And I think that's what kind of gives them that infectious um, attitude that everybody else feeds off of who he is as a football player and as a quarterback. Ron Rivera joining us. That was an amazing game. That was an awe-inspiring game. I can remember saying, watching that game and saying, man, I got to talk to this guy. We have to have him on the show. And it was because of that very play and the way he showed up in that game. Ron, I want to ask you about a guy that I just love, Terry McLaurin. From where I'm sitting, and this is just where I'm mm -hmm. sitting, I think the guy is an incredible player and an amazing leader. What is he like to coach? Oh, my gosh. He, you know, he really is a coach's dream. First of all, he's not a diva. I know a lot of guys at his position tend to really focus only on themselves. Terry's one of those guys that is team oriented. He focuses on the team and, you know, he, he's a guy that will do the little extra things the right way. And he sets the example for his teammates. Um, but one of the really cool things, one of the real classy things is who he is more, more so than anything else on and off the field. He is the same guy. And one of the really neat things that he did this year was, and, and it was after the, the victory against uh, Philadelphia in the locker room. Um, you know, I just got back from my mother's funeral and, you know, it was one of those things. It was one of those moments I had. Terry stepped in and he spoke to the rest of the team on my behalf. And it was it was tremendous. It was one of the best uh, post-game speeches I've ever heard, period, um, given by a player or a coach. And, and, and he's an inspiring young man. I think, Ron, those who saw that and saw that video know what you're talking about. It was so moving. 
What was your mom like, Ron? <laughs> you know, she was a um, very tough, very private woman, um, but she loved everybody. And the thing that was really neat about mom was, you know, she was a military mom and she understood that. So wherever my dad went, she packed us up and she moved us there. She ran the family when he was gone. She had to be mother, father, coach, teacher. She did everything. And even to the point where, you know, one year she would pitch batting practice to us. Another time she would run tackling drills for us because we, you know, four boys, we all played sports and whatever sport we were in, you know, we wanted to be the best and, and, and she would do all those things. And you know, she's just an amazing woman, um, you know, and, and anybody that understands army life and what it's like to be an army wife, army mom, uh, she was special. She really was. That's an amazing anecdote. Ron Rivera joining us for a few more moments. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, Ron, you, you had an amazing quote, I thought, when the team dropped a one and four, and it's one thing to drop a one and four, but the way you lost that game, a pick on the one-yard line, you said afterwards, quote, I wanted to throw up after that, end of quote. I bring it up because I want to ask you this. I mean, that's pretty visceral, and I don't doubt that for a second. Is it because you hate losing that much? Is it because you love your guys that much? Is it because of the work and sacrifice that goes into it? What makes one of the toughest dudes ever say something like that after a game like that? Um, mostly because of everything you said. Um, the way our guys work, the way our guys compete, the way our guys have come together, it's one of the things that you're, you know, I mean, I was truly, I'm truly proud of who these these young men are just because of the way they've done things. They've done everything that, that, that I've asked. They've done everything their coaches have asked. They've done everything that their teammates need them to do and to, to lose on, on, on the last play. Now, credit to them. It was a heck of a play by their linebacker. But for our guys to do the things the way they've done them and, and work hard and get ourselves in that position, oh, it, was, it, was, it was rough. It really was. And I, I felt really bad for our guys. I really did. Ron Rivera joining me for another moment or so. Really quickly, Ron, what about the division? I mean, it was not that long ago. Not only have you guys turned it around the way you have, just a couple of years back, the NFC East was something of a punchline, and now you've got four teams in that mm -hmm. division lining up and punching people in the face. I mean, it looks like, it feels like that NFC East ball throwback the way it used to be. What does that division feel like to you in 2022? It feels exactly like that, and and, and, and I've heard some people say, you know, the beast of the East is back, and, and I don't doubt it just because of all the things that are, have kind of come to fruition, you look at it, you know, like with the Giants, you know, having the draft picks where they've had them for, for, for as many years and they're starting to come of age and you're starting to see those guys play. And then part of the mentality that, that Coach Dable has brought to that organization. You look at what they're doing in Philadelphia with 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 the the, uh, the quarterback with Jalen Hurts and everything, and, and everything seems to be built around him and it just keeps going. And then Dallas with their dynamic athletes, it's just, you know, you see that, and then us, you know, going back to old school, playing a little bit of physical football in terms of running the ball and trying to play really good defense. I think that's um, it's going to be competitive and it can be competitive for a while if we can continue to do the right things with our personnel and keep you know, putting those types of players into the play. Right. There's no secret what you want to do. You want to pound the ball on the ground. You've got a couple of guys who can do it. Last thought, Ron, what about Chase Young? He continues to work and grind to try to make a season debut coming off that torn ACL. Can you share what is his status right now? Is there any chance at all he goes this weekend? There's an opportunity. I, I think, Jim, the biggest thing everybody got to understand was just wasn't the torn ACL. You know, he had a little uh, uh, the patella tendon um, was 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 injured as well. And so that's kind of what slowed the whole process of his return, more so than anything else. So now it's about working it back into shape. And the one thing that Dr. Andrews was told us is that he'll know for sure because right now he's got to go out and be on the field and do those kinds of things in practice. We can't mimic what it's going to feel like doing regular rehab. You have to rehab it as you practice. And so this is what it's all part of. And we try to check with him after he's done, see where he's how he's feeling, how it feels to him. And then, you know, we get a chance to see if we can get him back. The nice thing, as far as it's concerned, he had a good week last week. We're hoping for a good week this week, and we'll see how things are uh, come game day. So one last time on the way out the door, Ron, you sound amazing. I mean, you sound amazing. You look great. I'm watching you on Zoom. I'm curious, in terms of where you are in your journey, are you having so much fun with all this right now? Or as the guy, do you still feel such an overwhelming responsibility to so many people for so many different things that it's kind of hard to allow yourself to have fun? What's it feel like to you now? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I, I kind of get that whole sense that, you know, I have a fiduciary responsibility to the organization to do the things that are right for us. But at the same time, I'm enjoying it because I got a great group of people around me. Got a good staff, got good coaches, got good players, guys that buy into what we're trying to sell. And I think that's going to help us as a football team as we go forward. 
Bottom line is NFL head coaches do not have to do shows like this. You have always been available to me and to this show. I appreciate that so much, Ron. I appreciate the relationship, and I appreciate the opportunity to get caught up. That was so much fun. It's great to have you back, Ron. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Adam Thielen is my guest. Adam, it's great to run you down. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you, Adam. Thanks so much. Listen, I know you're looking ahead, but I've got to ask you about that bounce back after a pretty rough day against Dallas. How critical was it for you guys to bounce back the way you did against New England on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, I mean, I think it was big for, for us as a team just to to show, you know, how important um, it is to prepare and to have a mindset, have a have that kind of um, energy. Um, it was good for us to show, you know, when, when we don't have that, what happens, and then what we do, when we do have that, when we do have that focus and that, that intensity throughout the week and and then in the game, you know, what that does. And I think it was good for us to learn that um, as a team, and we're going to have to use that moving forward. I think that's really interesting. Like, I mean, it's such a long year, Adam, no matter what. It's a long season, and it's a grind. And I know guys get caught up in the process and the regimen, but to your point that, you know what, if you kind of lose track of that or you slip just a little bit, that's the type of thing that can happen. How does it happen? Is it just a matter of it being it's a really long year? And by the way, it's not easy. Yeah, for sure, but but I I do think again uh, to my to my point I just made. You know, you you kind of look back at the at those two weeks because they were so close together. You could you could just sense a little bit of a difference, and I think it really came down to intensity, um, and 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 kind of attitude. That kind of that kind of um, chip on your shoulder attitude. Um, it was probably the the biggest difference. You know, I think there still was obviously great preparation and there was want to win there was will to win but I think it was just a little bit of missing and and you know you kind of look inward first and I think that was something that that I kind of took to that next week was okay I'm gonna I'm bring that intensity level a little bit higher in the way I prepare so my preparation is not going to change my process isn't going to change but just the intensity level and how I do it, it it needs to change and I think again that's that's what we kind of learned from those those two back-to-back weeks Hey, by the way, I love that. I love that. I think that applies to anybody and everybody in terms of what they do. You know, it's amazing when you guys are looking at when you look at it. You guys are eight zero in one score games this year. I mean, that speaks to your tenacity. That speaks to your grit. I'm curious: is it something that even on this level you can work to develop as a team, or frankly, do you just have to bring in as many guys as you can who are already built like that? You know, I think it's a little bit of that, but I also think it's it's the confidence you gain as the season goes. You know, I think you you win a couple of those early on in the season, and you gain confidence in the fact that hey, if we are in this position again, we we've, we've been through it, we've done it, we've proved that we can do that, and we can come back and we can go win those close games, and we can handle some of those tough situational football um, situations that that you have to. Um, that you have to be better than the other team to really have a chance of winning those close games. So I think just the confidence of, of from week in and week out of doing that a few times over and over, and then you just kind of you kind of just know that you always have an opportunity to win the football game. And when you when you have that confidence, that kind of allows you to just go out there and play a little bit freer. You know, you're not as um, dependent on you know uh, a, a specific play. You just know that you can go out there and just play free. Let the game come to you and, and then kind of just let it play out. Adam Thielen is joining us. So you and Bill Belichick had words in a game back in 2018, as a lot of fans remember. And then you had a little bit of a shoulder bump, which honestly I thought was kind of cool, Adam. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was kind of kind of compelling and kind of riveting. I mean, I'm curious. At the end of that game, you won. You're coming off the field. Were you looking to have any kind of moment to connect with him on any level? Or had you not forgotten 2018? And were you looking to enjoy that big win and just keep moving? No, no, I, I have a lot of respect for him um, and what he's done, um, uh, what he does as a coach. You know, the, the, the difficulty it is to play a Patriots team. You know, uh, we've, been, we've played them a few times, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough challenge every time you play against them. So um, I have a ton of respect for him. So I kind of wanted to say that, but, you know, it probably wasn't a great situation. You know, he's looking for the other head coach. It's right after the game, after a tough loss. So, um, but uh, I was hoping to catch with him before the game or, or quickly after the game, but uh, but uh, I don't think he meant any ill will behind it. I think it just was a was a bad timing. Yeah, I thought you would answer it like that. Honestly, it seemed like that's what you were looking for. I thought that maybe you were looking for that. So, like, heat of the moment, two really competitive guys. He had a tough loss. Are you good with that, or were you a little disappointed that you didn't get that moment, or he didn't give you afford you that moment? 
No, I'll, I'll get that moment at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to have a, a quick conversation with him. But, uh, but yeah, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, it, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't rub me the wrong way at, at all. Appreciate your thoughts. I get that. Adam Thielen is joining us. So, of course, you got yourself a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell. He came over from the Rams after a couple of years as their offensive coordinator. He was a great quarterback at San Diego State, spent five years in the league as a player. How has the offense evolved since he took over, and what's it like to play for him? Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, you know those those two questions kind of go together. I mean, I think how the offense has evolved and and what how I feel about playing for him and how is he to play for are very similar because he's a guy that's willing to um, adapt and overcome and to um, find ways to make this offense this particular year with these players the best it possibly can be. Um, and you know, it's not always the case. So it's a lot of credit to him that that he's willing to adapt and to bring in what we do well and, and try to make this the best offense possible. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, that you run a certain system and that's what you do. You, you, you got to find a way as a player to master that system. Um, but I think when you can kind of have that collaborative effort of, of what we do well as players and what they, the system brings and kind of bringing that in, meshing it to be the best system as possible, I think that's what really uh, makes a great coach and, and a great leader. Adam Thielen, my guest for one more moment. Adam, one thought about Justin Jefferson, that catch that he made against Buffalo. There's been so much talk about that and how that's the catch of the year. That might be one of the greatest catches ever. I mean, you're with the guy every single day. You work and practice with the guy. That catch that he made on fourth and 18 against Buffalo, is that even the best catch you've seen him make? You know, honestly, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I do believe, though, just situationally, how much that that catch meant to what, you know, giving us an opportunity to win that football game. Um, it was probably the, the biggest catch, but as far as the best catch, um, I don't think so. You know, I think he, he makes these catches look so easy. I mean, there's times in that, that Patriots game where he made a couple – Couple catches that you know he he everyone maybe look thinks like oh that was that was a that was a good catch but um, but I think he makes it look so easy that you know the one where he's down the sideline and he, he kind of gets smacked as he's catching it and holds on and, and a big play down the field um, those 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 routine catches um, that he he makes them look routine that those are not routine catches so it's fun to be able to be alongside him and see him just. Um, be so consistent and, and playing at a high level week in and week out. All right, so one last thing. I've got to ask you about one guy on the team that I cannot get enough of, a guy that I think is absolutely electric. That's your play-by-play man, Paul Allen. This dude is amazing. What do you think of this guy and the juice and the power that he brings to his gig? Well, you know, it's kind of cool for me because it's come full circle. You know, I, I grew up listening to him, and I remember driving – uh, you know, with my dad, uh, you know, we'd drive in somewhere on a Sunday and we'd be listening to the game on the radio. And it was one of my favorite things um, to listen to PA. And then I remember in college, you know, every, every, during the week, you know, I'm doing my homework or on my way to school or something. I always have K fan on, listen to, listen to PA. And then now being able to build a relationship with him and know him for the last 10 years. Um, he, he's a great human being and, and, and has been a great mentor for me. So um, it, it's really cool to see him at the, at the national spotlight. Honestly, I didn't realize until recently that he wasn't really known nationally. And then when, when the Buffalo game and, and he kind of got some of that national publicity came out, I, I guess it kind of shocked me because I thought he was already nationally known and, and had that national respect. But um, he, he's unbelievable, and that voice is just – there's just nothing like it. And the way his spontaneous, you know, how he's just so quick on his feet is, is impressive. And it's really interesting what you said, that he's been a mentor to you. How so? You know, I, I think just in a lot of different ways, you know, he's always, a, he's always shedding a positive light. He's always, um, you know, he prays over me before every game. Um, from a faith perspective, he's, he's really dove into his faith and, and is, is really uh, knowledgeable and strong in his faith. So um, it's been a great resource for me there. Um, and, then, and then just, uh, you know, outside of football, being able to talk about, you know, post-career stuff and, and uh, him just really wanting to help me there has is, is, is really been cool. Really, I promise you, last thought, you mentioned he's positive. I love that notion of positivity. Like, are you pre-naturally positive? Is it a choice? What about that positive mindset and bringing that to the facility every single day? Because you know that's so critical. Yeah, you know, I think I think as humans, we're, we're probably not, no one's probably not naturally positive. Um, I do tend to lean towards the positive mindset, but it's something that I have to focus on, you know, every day when I'm on my way to work. And I'm thinking about how, how blessed I am and how thankful I am for where God has put me. 
and the people that he's put in my life, you know, I, I think that's where I get that positive mindset to say, you know what, I'm pretty blessed to be here. Like, I don't have a whole lot to complain about. So I'm going to try to sh- uh, share that and, and spread that by just being positive and being happy and being outgoing, whether it's good or bad in the building and, and um, you know, trying to have the mindset. Is it is it easy every day? No, but, um, but, but I think it, it does help. Um, not only yourself when you have that, that mindset, but others around you. I love that message, and I can feel it. Just this conversation alone, I can feel it. That you have that gratitude, and it's real gratitude, and you embrace everything. Adam, it's great to get caught up. I really appreciate you spending so much time and coming on this show. Really appreciate the conversation, and great to talk to you, Adam. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Good night now!